Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank discussions of sex and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy! Elisa cut her off, closing the gap between them and kissing her, her hands trailing into Darcy's hair. Darcy froze for a second, shocked, before leaning into it, kissing her back. Elisa had imagined this moment an embarrassing number of times over the past couple of weeks. She'd imagined the softness of her lips, the feeling of Darcy's hands shaking. Wait, maybe that was her. And the dizziness and the warmth and the sense that she was finally where she was supposed to be. The real thing left all her fantasies behind. Neil. Yes. Neil. Yes. I hate to interrupt your very chaste read. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best I could do out of these books. <laughs> but um, I think we have a podcast. Do we? We do. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. It says right here on my Google Calendar, record the podcast right this very second. Right this very second. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And this is FNK Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck, Mary Kill with the characters. We certainly do. Also, all the spoilers. So many spoilers. So many spoilers. If you don't enjoy spoilers, go read the books and then come back and have a chat with us. Indeed. If we want you to yell your opinions out into the void and then just listen to ours and take ours as the most important. (laughs) Right, right, right. But if you don't mind spoilers at all, then, like, stick around. We got a lot to say. Oh, so much to say about these and other things. These and other things. All the things. Essentially. Neil, what did we read for this podcast? Well, this time we read The Code for Love and Heartbreak by Jillian Cantor. And most ardently by Susan Mesler Evans. And what was the theme? The theme was uh, modern retellings of Jane Austen novels. Specifically, The Code for Love and Heartbreak by Jillian Cantor is Emma. And most ardently by Susan Mesler Evans is uh, Pride and Prejudice. Also, the secret theme was like girls in high school. Yeah. And I am sorry. That was an accident. <laughs> I am sorry. It was so funny. It was like, oh, both then. (laughs) When we read the backs of these books, you will understand why Neil did not think that immediately. (laughs) Or forgot it completely. (laughs) I forgive you. I forgive you. But before we even get to forgiveness, Neil, what has got you hot and bothered? Well, mine is a two-part. One, um, long-time listeners might notice... A different quality to my voice today and might recognize that uh, from previous episodes this means that my allergies hate me my no. body thinks my body thinks pollen is trying to kill me and it is reacting accordingly <laughs> well so, how nice for your body to be I so know, protective of you <laughs> overprotective like a um, jealous lover I know I saw I'll have to find it and link it in the description. There was this amazing comic that was like, how to describe allergies. And it was like drawn in a manga style. And it was this, this, um, 
this woman, this young woman, who was like being held by the burly man who was the embodiment of her immune system. Just <laughs> like, immune system, son. Like, thank you so much for protecting me. And he's like, I'll always protect you. And then like, a piece of dust lands on her nose. And he's like, you have something on your face. And she's like, no, it's fine. It's just, no, you have something. And then he punches her in the face. <laughs> and that, listeners, is what it's like to have allergies. Um, but the other part of my hot and bothered is on a much lighter note. Okay. 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 I love peanut butter. And I love chocolate. I love the combination thereof. So I'm sure you can intuit. I love Reese's peanut butter cups. Uh, uh-huh. Yes. And now they have the big cups. And previously I saw like, oh, they have ones with pretzel bits in them. Those are fun. They have ones with Reese's pieces inside the peanut butter cups. It was like delicious and amazing. I have not seen them in a while, but not too long ago, I was at my local drugstore and I saw a Reese's peanut butter cup, big cup with potato chips inside. <gasps> Claire. Oh my God. Claire. Oh my God. It was so good. Obviously, it, it had the great texture. Um, I was talking to somebody about this who had also tried it, and it's like, I wish it had been more potato chip, like maybe like uh, an entire potato chip the size of the cup, as opposed to, it's like, it's like the bits you find at the bottom of the bag yeah, yeah, yeah. inside it. Um, but something that I really enjoyed is the saltiness of the potato chip made the peanut butter taste like peanut butter out of a jar instead of like Reese's peanut butter. And I love Reese's peanut butter, but it was like a fun new thing. And honestly, all I hope is that we are the dawning at the dawning of a new golden age where they just shove random shit inside peanut butter cups. That's all I want. Yes. Yes. We have had yeah. such delicious varieties of Kit Kats for a long time. And I think we've deserved those, but I've always thought there's more to do with these cups. There's so much more. Yeah. The, the universe is available to us. And Reese's, if you're listening, is my million dollar idea. So you have the peanut butter cup inside the you the chocolate, inside of that is the peanut butter. Inside that, some grape jelly. Oh. So now what are so what are you talking about? So is it is this like a turducken? So is it like a, a peanut butter cup with a jelly pe- with a jelly chocolate cup on the inside? No, no, no. I no, I was just speaking to the various layers. So it's mm-hmm. a peanut it's a peanut butter cup big cup, but like in the middle of the peanut butter is a vein of peanut butter jam. Yes, okay, yes. I'm on board. Yeah. I'm on board. I love it. I love it. Yep. I would I would eat so fucking many of those. <laughs> Fuck. Anyway, that's what's got me hot and bothered. Claire, what's got you hot and bothered? Well, I want to date when we are recording this in such a way that when people in the future listen back and they're like, I wonder what was going on in the world. They'll know now when I say, oh, my God. Will Smith slapped Chris Rock in the face on live television at the Oscars. And it was I'm, 
bonkers. Bonkers. I don't want commentary on it. I don't want to say if it was right. I don't want to say if it was wrong. I don't want to talk about whether the joke was right or wrong. I do. No, no. Look, we are going to rise above that and just recognize the fact that a grown man went on stage and slapped another man in the face on live television in front of billions of viewers in tuxedos They look fucking good. They were mm-hmm. so elegant. Like, and when he, when Will Smith went up there, because I'm sorry, Will Smith is a good looking man and he is a good looking butt. And he went up there and he's got these broad shoulders and this good looking, he's just sauntering up there. And honestly, who knew what was going to happen? Anything could have happened. And then he gets up there and slaps him and then turns around and fixes his fucking jacket. Uh. <laughs> and I was just like, this is amazing. The most amazing thing happened. And again, uh, outside of outside of morality, outside of right or wrong, outside of any of that. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> one multi-millionaire went on stage in a tuxedo at a public event and slapped another millionaire <laughs> is this is this the beginning of the end oh, for rich people no this is the oh. beginning of the beginning of rich, more rich people just doing oh. come on it doesn't matter it doesn't matter this was just fucking amazing <laughs> It was bananas. It was absolute bananas. I mean, I came home from, I don't remember even what we were out doing. I think it was rehearsal. Yeah, it was rehearsal. We came back from rehearsal. I was playing some video game on my iPod. And what were you playing? Oh, I'm into an embarrassing game. It's, it's Ticket to Ride. It's just a board game on the iPad. And it's, I just play that endlessly. It's not. It's not even good, really. <laughs> at this point, it involves I, trains, so I'm on board. Honestly, ah, 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 I didn't even mean to do it. It's dumb as shit, and I cannot stop playing it. And I'm. I also play Catan on the same thing. Like, <laughs> so whatever. I just play by myself in the bots. I don't want to get online and play with real people. Yeah, no, that's fine. Also, being able to like step away for a few minutes is. And it's, it's good. It's kind of a nice thing to do right before bed. So <laughs> anyway, so I'm doing that. Matt's reading the internet and he goes, oh my God. And I was like, what? He thought He's like, I thought this was a joke. I thought it was an Onion article. And I was like, what? Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. And I was like, that's all I need to know. That's, that's it. all I, I need to know. I'm good. I don't, what is, what is this? He's like, it was at the Oscars. And I was like, now you've blown my mind. I, in fact, it did need one more piece of information. And he's like, it was live on stage. And I practically ran around the room. I was like, yeah, this is amazing. Goodness. I feel goodness, like goodness. this year has started off correct now. <laughs> like now it is 2022. It is the year that Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, and that's it. That's all I need. <laughs> the year of our slapped 2022. <laughs> oh, oh. I'm I'm sure it. I'm sure I'm not the person, the first person to think of this. I'm sure it exists on the internet already. But I'm looking forward to when everyone's like, "Oh yeah, 2022 really slapped." <laughs> uh, 
Oh, man. (sighs) It's just like, okay, one bit of like commentary on the event is just like, this is the first one back. This is the first real Oscars back. The last one was like barely it. Masks and like, you know, everybody was apart and there was lots of virtual things. It's it's just that nobody knows. Nobody knows how to people. <laughs> no, the no one. Pe- and the people who've been trained on how to people in front of cameras also don't know how to people anymore. <laughs> well, when you've been in tra- when you've been trapped in your giant mansion for almost three years, like you can't even. I really hope this leads to rich people bringing back like the glove slap. <gasps> Ooh, yeah, glove slap, baby, glove slap, <laughs> glove slap. That was a great episode of The Simpsons. It it was a perfect episode. Um, Let's let's call that good. Let's get into some books. Let's get into some books. Most Ardently by Susan Mesler Evans. Elisa Benitez is proud of who she is. From her bitingly sarcastic remarks to her love of both pretty boys and pretty girls. If someone doesn't like her, that's their problem. Elisa couldn't care less, particularly if that person is Darcy Fitzgerald, a snobby, socially awkward heiress from, with an attitude problem and more money than she knows what to do with. From the moment they meet, Elisa and Darcy are at each other's throats, which is a bit unfortunate since Darcy's best friend is dating Elisa's sister. It quickly becomes clear that fate intends to throw the two of them together, whether they like it or not. As hers and Darcy's lives become more and more entwined, Elisa's once dull world quickly spirals into chaos. This story of pride, prejudice, and finding love with people you least expect. So, Neil, that's what that book says it's about. Mm-hmm. What was that book? Quick question. I have a quick okay. question before we actually get into that. Okay. Have, have you read or have you watched Pride and Prejudice? I have not read any Jane Austen, and I feel bad about it. I have seen the Pride and Prejudice with Kira Knightley. Okay. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I liked it. No, no. And that's a good adaptation. I feel like that is not just an adequate adaptation. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, except for the ending, which I don't know. We'll talk on some other podcast about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are we starting a Jane Austen podcast now? Well, not yet. Cause you haven't read any. Oh my God. Okay. <gasps> okay. I do have an idea for you. <laughs> no. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a skirt. <laughs> I'm a skirt. Um, but anyway, so I just wanted to kind of know that going in. Because uh, I've read every Jane Austen book. And I have seen mm-hmm. adaptations of every Jane Austen movie. And I've seen multiple adaptations of Pride and Prejudice. Oh. And I've read Pride and Prejudice, I think, four or five times. Um, <clears throat> so I'm really pretty familiar. Um, and I just wanted to know kind of where you were. Mm-hmm. But so as we go forth, like, tell me, Neil, what was this book? I feel like um, that description was accurate. Except when it's like, oh, at least it's into pretty boys and pretty girls. Like, that was not true. I mean, like, yes, she is bisexual. The book says she is bisexual, very specifically. Yay! Um, And we do see her being attracted to both men and women. But also... 
I did not get the sense that it had to, anything to do with them being pretty. No. But about, like, who they are as people. Again, yeah. yay. No, which is great. Anyway. The other thing is, though, <clears throat> this is another one of those, oh, they're secret virgins books. Yeah. Which I wondered if she was doing this because she wanted to adhere as close as possible to, like, she wanted to make this a really tight adaptation. She wanted, mm-hmm. like, beat for beat. She wanted to transpose those characters into a modern setting. And those yeah. characters are supposed to be virgins or virginal themselves. So I just wondered if that's what she was. She was like, in what yeah. instance would they be virgins here? And it just didn't make sense to me. I thought, yeah. no, Elisa <clears throat> seems like the type of person who has dated a lot. She seems like a person who's pretty worldly. She knows what she likes in another person. She's friendly. She's exuberant. She has a friend, but like, you know, it's so is not socially awkward. I was like, she's dated. And then it says, oh, she's never dated before. And then Darcy's never dated. And I'm like, what the fuck? I don't buy either it, either <laughs> of it. Um, I also feel like I'm that this author was working really hard to like you said do sort of a like beat by beat recreation of because some of the some of the shit that happens to make certain things make sense are so bizarre like when they crash the wedding which i imagine is in in the source material there's a part where it's sort of like a seat yourself reception and i was like that's no. not a thing. No. There's a signed seating at the wedding ceremony, but it's seat yourself at the reception, which was very bizarre. And then the scene where um, it was at Bobby's sister's birthday party, it was like a restaurant that was also a full-on club. Yeah. Like they were sitting at a dinner table, eating dinner, and then a DJ made an announcement. And I'm like, what is this place? What is happening? I don't understand. Um, yeah, yeah, the funny thing is... Oh, what... and then also everyone knows where Elisa lives and what her apartment looks like. Like, there's a scene where um, Colin's mom is like, oh, they fit so many people in that tiny apartment. I'm like, bitch, how... when were you ever at their apartment? How do you know these things? Yeah, there was... It was there was some really weird stuff going on. So, like, yeah, I, I feel I... to make it be like... Oh, well, you know, like the scene at the club was actually like a dinner with a ball at the end. And so it's like, oh, how do we make that make sense? A restaurant that has a DJ? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, there was a lot that just didn't quite fit for me. I think one of the like one it did. There isn't a wedding in the book that early on. They just go to a party. Um mm-hmm. And I just thought it was, like, weird. I was like, can't this just be a party? And they know a lot of the same people. Like, they both know Colin. Why couldn't that be the party Colin threw? Right? (laughs) Oh, yeah, because they ended up at a party after the wedding. Yeah. At his place. At his place. That's weird. But also, like, I think we, she really wanted to introduce Colin more closer to the way the the book introduces him so mm-hmm. i didn't know the weirdest thing the absolute weirdest thing so this happens in uh pride and prejudice as well is that um her sister becomes sick on mm-hmm. you know she's gonna go visiting she goes visits you know her hopefully you know soon you know boyfriend Bo. um she goes a visiting on the way she gets caught in a rainstorm she gets sick 
And then she ends up having to stay there. Now, in oldie times, you had to stay there because it was like three fucking miles to the next house. And the mm-hmm. only way, and it wasn't an easy walk. And and it was not fun. And they had to take care of you. And so you just, it was just easier to be there. Um, mm-hmm. Here, that's not the case. It's modern times. And so, but in Pride and Prejudice, I'm almost positive she's only there for a couple of nights. Like maybe three or four, maybe five. Mm. I'll push it to two weeks. I don't remember off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. But in this book, it's like a month. It's a fucking month, and she's throwing up the entire month. And I'm like, oh no, she'd be dead. This is weird. <laughs> yeah, and I and kind of wrong, and 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 you know elisa's like um i think you're pregnant is this why you're throwing up for a month and i was like yeah that's my thought too and she's like oh no nobody else thinks that and i'm like everybody else thinks that everybody thinks that we get when she gets home all the other sisters are like so you knocked up i will say like if you were in for a soap opera this is a soap opera book. Ooh, like, girl. holy crap, the shit that's happening. And a lot of it, again, is stuff that happens in Pride and Prejudice. But Pride mm-hmm. and Prejudice does not feel this messy. This book felt messy. This book is so messy. Uh, anyway, let's, uh, let's you know, do this. Also, and I think, um, I imagine that the characters in this book are the ages that they are in Pride and Prejudice. Yes. But it just feels weird. And, like, to make it make sense... So, like, our author has Elisa and Darcy, who are... Is it Eliza? Eliza Bennett is her name in the book? Oh, it's Elizabeth. Pride and Prejudice? Elizabeth. Elizabeth and Darcy are Elisa and Darcy. They meet at community college. Yeah, which was... Fine, except there's no way Darcy would go to Elizabeth would go to community college. There's no way that Darcy would go to community college in this like random tiny town. And then also to make the ages make sense, Elisa is technically a senior in high school, but finished all of her stuff early. So even though she hasn't graduated yet, she is going to community college. Yeah, and I'm like, I, like I, I honestly wish that this author had just made Elisa 21 and then like shifted everyone else's ages accordingly. Which it's so funny too, because I went to college my first year, I was 18. Like, and that's how old Elisa is in this mm-hmm. book. So it's fine. She could just be going to college. <laughs> right. But then there's also, there are also moments where they have to like get around drinking because she's only 18. Mm-hmm. And then also, like, the thing about her mom constantly be- being like, we need to get you married right now, is, like, it just... And, and I know that's the character, but it also it feels weird for someone to turn to an 18-year-old and be like, why aren't you married yet? Whereas, like, if she were 21, and her mom was like, you need to meet the man you're going to marry now so that by the time you're done with college, you can marry him that would have felt better to me because like, and I understand like, Oh, that's how old they were in the book, but like sensibilities around these things have shifted. And so I just, I just, and, and Julieta, the oldest was 21, 22. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so then, like, for the mom to be like, you need to get married right the second, young lady. I'm like, I mean, like, I kind of get it, but then also it just, it felt weird. Yeah, there's part of me that wondered, like, I feel like this this author very much wanted to do a multicultural family. Uh, well, a multicultural book, I should say. So, you know, everybody's of, you know, not white, not white people. Hooray, not white people. But Only the annoying want... people are white. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then I wondered if she if this particular author picked um uh picked like oof, i'm gonna say it i like if it picks like a latina family latino family because maybe it would they would be maybe more culturally you know pushing marriage or something mm -hmm. and i was at a young age and i was like and that could be completely untrue. This author presents as white, so I don't really know. I'm not going to, like, ask. But, like, honestly, it felt a little weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and I was fine with the mom, like, wanting her kids to, like, be with people and, like, get out of the situation that they're in and maybe use marriage. I mean, you know, okay. But, ugh. I don't know. It was just, it was so awkwardly written in some ways. And it was like, I don't know. I just, it, it, the mom's character wasn't fun in mm -hmm. the same way that she is in Pride and Prejudice. And like in Pride and Prejudice, you understand why, because women have literally nothing else. And so I just kind of wondered, like, maybe it would have been better if she just wasn't so pushy, but mm -hmm. like, encouraging but not so pushy yeah or or if it was more like you know like get married so i can have grandkids kind of thing yeah which it, it... which is like and I, you know like my experience is not the experience of you know elisa benitez and a member of a latinx family but i feel like that that is like a more universal experience like i've heard parents of all different ethnicities be like so when am i getting grandkids you know i don't know yeah there was an especially weird moment in here when uh because they have a lot of money problems it's all <laughs> six of them because it's five daughters all in this one a little very small apartment mm -hmm. and the mom's a single mom she's doing her best and um she's overheard talking to the bank who you know wants her to pay on her student loans that she's had like for this whole time and i was and as soon as i read that i was like relatable girl i got it <laughs> paying for student loans for 20 years oh it sucks ass and like that's the lowest on her totem pole of the things that she's gonna pay back that totally made sense to me mm -hmm. but then that same page just paragraphs later um Eliza's like, well, maybe I could like not go to school for a little bit, which totally made sense to me because she's in high school and you can always put that off for a little bit. And I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, maybe don't pay for community college right now. Maybe, yeah, get a job, girl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she's and the mom was like, no, 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 it'll improve your career chances. And I was like, wait, but she's paying on student loans and she also doesn't she just want her to go get married? And a massage parlor like uh, i don't yeah. like it didn't improve her career chances and then it occurred to me I was like wait does she actually have a degree 
Or did she get pregnant and drop out of school? And so she's mm. actually paying student loans on like the first semester or something. And which makes sense to me, but um, she would be about my age. So like, I'm going to say like, you know, Alejandra uh, Benitez is my age. So she's had, mm-hmm. five, you know, five children and a divorce and it's all been very messy. When I went to school, <laughs> I went to a state school and as expensive as it was, honestly, I could have paid off the student loan for the first two semesters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that, that, that's, that's doable. I don't think Alejandra went to Stanford. <laughs> I'm, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to throw this out there. It really seems like she went to a local community college as well. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think she went to UCLA or something. I like I went yeah. to the state school and it wasn't cheap, but it was not what prices are now. And I was like, ah, this doesn't work for me. This whole situation now feels weird. And it was just a lot of that. <sighs> anyway. Um, another thing. I, I'd like to bring up like one other thing that I was like, oh god, and then we should probably talk about the book and some of the characters. Um, because uh, spoiler, my fuck Mary kill only involves characters from this book, so we have to talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing that was like uh, a little like a we'll say a bit of a a speed bump for me um, was that. So there's Elisa, Darcy, Alejandra, the four sisters, Colin's mom, Elisa's friend, Charlene, Darcy's sister, Gianna, Darcy's cousin, Willow. These are all women. And sometimes who she was in a sentence would switch without without us getting a name. Like there was the beginning of a chapter there's an entire paragraph. It was like, she did this and this is what she was feeling. And it didn't say a single name in there. And we basically, like, like if you saw a she out of place, you kind of had to default to Elisa until you learned otherwise. And it's just like, I really wish. And I, I would bet you that somebody, that somewhere along this line, this author learned like, oh, well, you don't want to say the character's names over and over and over again. I'm like, yes, that's true. But then also you can find other ways to just, to like, other descriptors so that you know who's who, you know, like, um, I, I, I don't know. There, there are words, but like, just sort of like, Oh, the, the, you know, I don't know anything to tell us like, Oh, it's a different person talking that we're talking about now. Just use their name. Just use their name. Just use their name. Just, just <clears throat> use their name. I mean, like, yeah, it even gotten, it even got bad when it was just, Alisa and Darcy talking to each other, just mm-hmm. the two of them. Yeah, and then it would have like a little bit of like somebody says something, a little line of narration, and then somebody says something else, and I'm like, who said that? Mm-hmm. Like I, I couldn't tell. Yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. And they didn't, and they were different enough character wise. Like Darcy is quiet. She is socially awkward. She mm-hmm. is very intelligent, and she does speak like sort of, of at a higher level. 
because mm-hmm. because we're she because the author wanted to directly take a lot of lines from Pride and Prejudice, so yeah. she, she wanted to like just have Darcy speak at a higher level the whole time. Elisa like is a little bit more blunt and you know sarcastic, um, but even then I couldn't tell the lines apart. Like I couldn't. I didn't mm-hmm. know who, and they didn't like. I was like, ah, I had to read a couple of pages a couple of times because I was like, who mm-hmm. the fuck is doing what? And when it was all those sisters in the room, Jesus oh. fucking Christ. And they're all different, but I couldn't mm-hmm. tell them apart. And that mm-hmm. was, uh, uh, and okay, so Pride and Prejudice is a full cast. Like there's a lot of people in that story. Somehow, most ardently had three times as many people. <laughs> and I had to remember all of them and like this uh, like uh, I it was honestly exceptionally frustrating. I was like, why do I have to care so much about all of these people? Mm-hmm. And we'll get to it in a little bit, but like Colin, who is based on Collins in Pride and Prejudice, um gets a whole gets a he's the only character that gets a revamp. <laughs> Like, like he's the only the character other, who has any growth, really. All of the other characters are pretty much like based very, very tightly on Pride and Prejudice, and for some reason, I feel like this author was like, you know, who gets the short end of the stick in Pride and Prejudice? The one everybody loves to hate. <laughs> <laughs> We should make him more of a human and spend a lot of time with him. <laughs> I was like, why? Why are we spent like, like I enjoyed some of it. I thought some of it was a good idea, but mm-hmm. fucking, we spent so much goddamn time with that man, and I was like, no, can we? Stop? Well, here's the thing: he's the only person whose character growth in this whole book made sense to me, and we'll get into that. But then also that means we spent more time with uh, Elisa's friend Charlene, whom I enjoyed. I also enjoyed that she had a friend. I enjoy so she has the well. support system in the sisters. She has the support system in the friend. So if she needs support because of the sisters or away from the sisters, she has the friend. And so, yeah, Colin is, I imagine, for the first quarter of the book, exactly like in Pride and Prejudice, where he's like, I'm in love with you, Elisa, but I'm also super goddamn obnoxious and don't even realize it because I'm a straight white guy. So whatever. Um, we'll say what this book proves is that man i'm gonna sound like such a fucking bitch right now yeah um that jane austen books are not just pure romance that they are social commentary Mm. that that they are not just that but that they are also comedy like that the pride and prejudice books are comedy social commentary that focuses on romance and romantic relationships as how they're going to be the vessel for that social commentary. And they mm-hmm. are romantic and romantic things do happen in them, but they happen almost despite societal expectations and societal mm-hmm. need. And that's like part of this. And then this adaptation just takes out the social commentary. It's like, no, 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 no. The most social commentary we get is like, sucks being poor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rich people have it great. Um, <laughs> due to loans, wah, wah, and divorce can sometimes be painful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that also, feels watch like... out. Watch out for sexual predators. Watch out for them sexual predators. They be bad. 
Was it, well, okay, let's let's put Wick aside because I'm curious to see how much of that is in the book and not. Um, so let's just dive in. Do it. So this fir- the first chapter of this book is... Okay, the first couple pages of this book are great. Um, I would like to read a passage. It had been, overall, a terrible first meeting, and the argument that ensued had started the way many arguments do, in a college classroom over a book by a guy who was too dead, she presumed, to care. And I was like, love it. I'm on board. And then from there, it's a little hit and miss. So Elisa and Darcy through all kinds of weird world building are in the same community college class in some tiny town in Ohio. And they're in the same, uh, it started as English lit and then became British lit, a British lit class. But they don't read Jane Austen, which was <clears> such but like they a, don't read Jane Austen. which was such like a, I was like, that's a narrative miss. I mean, how much fun <laughs> would that have been? <laughs> um, so they're arguing so they get into an argument over Lord of the Flies. And Elisa was like, this book is fucking terrible. And I remember really liking the book. So it's like, okay, Elisa, well, agree to disagree. Sure, whatever. But so she and Darcy get into it. And then all of a sudden, Elisa's like, I fucking hate that bitch. And I was like, it wasn't that bad. Like, this is one of the only hate to love instances that we have seen i was like i kind of wanted it to be worse to begin with oh yeah i completely understood like i thought darcy was nice darcy Mm -hmm. said encouraging things she's like okay well i see where you're coming from on that i disagree but you know yeah it was very much a um like how you would have a conversation in this a, a debate and a class in a setting like this and the thing is like it's sort of set up that elisa was very type a because she you know she like finished high school early and then even though she could have taken time off or whatever she was like oh no i'm taking classes at the community called not a full course load but whatever um so it, it sort of was like oh this bitch doesn't agree with me so she's the worst and i'm like i don't understand Later, Darcy does say some pretty terrible things. Well, and let so, me like, just say this, so like, because then later they go to the wedding, and mm-hmm. where she meets up with Darcy again, and there's the classic scene with that's from Pride and Prejudice, where uh, they're at a, they're dancing, everybody's having a good time. She overhears Darcy and Darcy's best friend talking to each other. Darcy's best friend is like, "Why are you being such a grump? Just fucking enjoy this goddamn party." And Darcy <laughs> says, like, look, you're hanging out with the only cool person here. <laughs> this party <laughs> this party blows and everybody in it blows and I'm bored and sad. And the guy's like, come on, bullshit. Also, her sister's cute. Why don't you hang out with her sister? And he and Darcy says, like, you know, like, whatever. She's nice enough, but not nice. Not not cute enough. Not pretty enough to tempt me is the line. And, like, mm-hmm. Elizabeth's, like, pride, just, like, and that's where the pride comes in for Pride and Prejudice. Like, her pride mm-hmm. is busted apart into, like, a billion little pieces. Because she doesn't think of herself as beautiful and definitely not as beautiful as her sister. She didn't even want to dance with this guy. But now he's saying these mean, bullshitty things about her. And it hurts her feelings in a way that's completely natural, in a way that 
makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's also their first time really talking to each other and meeting. That's their mm-hmm. during their first meeting. Mm-hmm. So it almost was so weird to have them have a different meeting outside of that and have the yeah. angst come from that. The thing is, too, that like, so that you know, like their 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 banter is their forefight, et cetera, et cetera. And like, I was half expecting when there's the turning point and they start to become friends that they continue to have conversations like this where they argue over something and they say kind of snide things to each other, but the quality of it is different because now they're friends and they know like they know the other better and where it's coming from. And like, Oh yeah, I can say this to you now because we are such close friends. I was expecting any of that, but none of that happened. And in fact, jumping ahead, when we get to the point that they decided to become friends, we skip over a lot of that. Like a lot of, like it goes from, Oh, I think we should be friends now. Let's hang out at a museum one day. And then all of a sudden, Elisa's in love with Darcy. And I'm just like, where where's the where's the scene where they're hanging out and they're talking about some other book, having some dumb conversation that neither of them actually cares about? It's just the 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 fighting that they're enjoying, and that we see them both enjoying it and why they enjoy it and why it's different than how it was before. I wanted that scene so badly, and there's so many opportunities for it, but it never happened. Mm-hmm. So like. I don't understand why Elisa hated Darcy, and then I didn't understand why Elisa fell in love with Darcy. Yeah. Ever. Like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't buy it at all this whole time. Anyway, so they meet, and then um, because Darcy's from a rich family, Elisa's mom is like, well, I have two daughters of marrying age. I'm marrying one of them off to this family. Enter Bobby, who is, uh, Darcy's best friend. Um, he was perfectly lovely. He was a lovely person. He, you know, had anyway. Um, we'll get into it. But so then, he was a completely one-dimensional, lovely person. <clears throat> yes. Um. So Julietta and the eldest sister and Bobby start kind of dating and hanging out, and people are like, "Okay." And then Alejandra, the mom, is like looking at Elise, and she's like, "Don't." Fuck this up. And Elisa's like, what? She's like, don't fuck it up. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're going to crash his twin sister's birthday party. Let's go! Like, all of us! <clears throat> so then they go to the restaurant club. It's not a supper club. It's a restaurant that is also a dance club. I don't know. A, a restrotech? A discorant? I don't know what to call this thing. It made I don't me understand. think, like, for a while I forgot this book took place in Ohio. And for a second I thought, I was like, oh, that sounds like something that would be in L.A. This book takes place in L.A. Like, no. Like, that's all I thought. It was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, like those fancy <laughs> clubs I've seen in the movies. Yes, yes, yes. This book is in L.A. <laughs> and, like, then I was just like, yep. And, like, I, just then, completely, I forgot it was in Ohio for the longest right. time. But then also, like, at this dinner, like, people's moms were there. Like, it was very much a, like rich people family thing as opposed to like oh i'm rich and pretty so i'm gonna get fucking drunk on my birthday because i can afford it and i don't understand what consequences are kind of thing it was all very bizarre anyway so then they're dating for a while and then julietta gets sick stays with bobby at his house where darcy is also staying also his twin sisters louise and cora 
And then immediately, Elisa's like, oh my god, these twin sisters are the fucking worst. And it's funny, because it's like, oh my god, these sisters were such a bitch to me at their birthday party. I'm like, yeah, because you crashed their birthday party. They don't know you, and you just showed up. So of course they're not going to be happy about that. But then when Elisa is staying with them, they're just like saying things that annoy her. So then yeah. she calls one of them out. Just like she like Cora says something and she turns to Bobby or Darcy, someone, and she's like, Do you believe the fucking shit this bitch is saying? It's like, you are a guest in their home, Elisa. Like, I understand. They one, I think they could have been more obnoxious than they were. But two, yeah, they were obnoxious. You're inside their house. Like Yeah. And then later Later, it said, oh, well, Elisa held her tongue because it was Bobby's sister's. It's like, no, you didn't. We saw you very specifically not do that. So what is yeah. happening? I, I kind of felt like, again, this was supposed to be like like our like our Lizzie from, uh, from Pride and Prejudice. Supposed to be like, oh, she always just says whatever's coming to her mind. But really, it kind of made me feel like, oh, no, actually, our Elizabeth Bennett is actually really circumspect. And she does say snarky things but they're really smart and mm-hmm. dumb people don't know she's being snarky <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what's so great about her character and i was like ah, oh, but this one was just like saying what's coming to my mind whatever it is i'm gonna say it <laughs> and then when other people did the same thing she's like they're the fucking worst like it was it was very bizarre anyway and then uh, Colin professes his love to her. She shoots him down. And then he starts dating her friend Charlene. They were cute together. There was one point where that where Colin and Charlene were trying to set Elisa and Darcy up. And then Elisa was like, you just want a couple to double date with, don't you? And Colin was like, so badly, yes. I was like, oh. <laughs> <clears throat> um, and then... Something else happened. It doesn't matter. None of it matters, really. Um, so then Bobby... Oh, oh, we have to talk about Wick. Yes. So then George Sedgwick, a.k.a. Wick, shows up. And Darcy looks... They, they, Darcy and Lisa are at a bar. And they see this guy, George. And Darcy looks at Elisa and is like... And Elisa's like, he's cute or whatever. And Darcy's like, stay away from him. He's dangerous. And Lisa's like, why? And Darcy's like, it's not appropriate for me to tell you because it's like not my story to tell. But like, I'm warning you for your safety, stay away from him. And Elisa's like, whatever, Darcy's a bitch and I hate her. So I'm going to go talk to this guy. And then they go on a date and then it fizzles out, which I felt was super weird. That it just like, there was no drama between her and Wick. It later happened to the sister. He, like, we find out. Oh, goodness gracious. So he is um, a sexual predator. He finds, like, 13, 14-year-old girls. He's uh, 23, 24. Um, But when he was 21, he uh, seduced um, Darcy's sister, Gianna, who was 13 at the time. And he basically, like, he goes after these young girls, isolates them, is physically and emotionally abusive, et cetera, et cetera, coerces them into sex. All these very, very terrible things. Um, 
And we find out later that it's like, oh, that's why Darcy didn't tell Elisa because it's Gianna's story. And Darcy's like, I'm not going to go tell my sister's business, especially because it affected her so terribly. And something that I did appreciate and felt very real was that when Gianna wanted to press charges against Wick, the cops were like, hey, just so you know, like, this is going to be hard for you. And there's a very good chance that nothing's going to come out of it. And then Gianna felt that she didn't, she couldn't, like she couldn't go through with it. And like, she wanted to focus on sort of recovering from what happened as opposed to like pursuing, you know, criminal charges, which was, which is heartbreaking. It was her decision to make, but it's also very heartbreaking to see. So then Wick does the same thing with Elisa's younger sister, Lucia, who, this was also very bizarre. Lucia and a friend of hers, who are 14, as a spring break present, the friend pays for the two of them to go to Daytona Beach for spring break unaccompanied. Mm-hmm. Like, they put them up in a hotel, and this friend has an aunt there, and they just, like, have to check in with the aunt once a day. And Alejandra's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. I never believed that she would have been okay with that. No, I didn't think so but either. For plot reasons, the mom is just, oh no, that's fine. And Elisa's like, this is a terrible idea. And her mom's like, I'm her mother. I know it's best. Then, of course, Wick happens to be in Daytona Beach. He he meets uh, Lucia, and then she goes missing for two weeks, and it's very scary. <clears throat> I skipped over the part. At this point, uh, Darcy has professed her love for Elisa, and Elisa's like, I fucking hate you. Get the fuck out of here. Darcy's like, oh, oh, I had no idea. Okay, goodbye. So obviously Darcy, Darcy this whole time thought that them screaming at each other and saying mean things to each other was flirting. <laughs> and then also Wick spun some story about how Darcy got him kicked out of military school, which part of me, like, when it gets explained, I'm like, sure. It's like, you expect me to believe that some, like, 18-year-old girl walked into a school and was like, get this guy kicked out because I say so and that worked whatever um <laughs> so darcy helps them find lucia and then is that before or after the museum i don't know they decide to become friends whatever like honest honestly i didn't buy the romance at all <laughs> parts of it were weird and then also like darcy's character changed completely like as soon as elisa needed to start being attracted to darcy like all of a sudden, she was. She seemed like a very different character to me. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny because in some ways that is one of the big complaints about Pride and Prejudice for people who are especially cynical about it is that Elizabeth falls in love with Darcy when she goes to his house. <laughs> <laughs> and she does a tour of the house and she's like holy shit this man proposed to me and i said no and look at the i would have been the lady of this mansion mm-hmm. but, and then suddenly like her feelings about him seem to just completely shift but one of the other things that happens and that was misplaced in this book is her meeting of gianna so when she goes to when elizabeth bennett goes to Darcy's house in Pride and Prejudice, that's when she meets his sister for the first time. And he and she sees him with somebody he loves very much and sees him in this like softer light. And he's very gentle and caring. 
and even at and kind of what gets her is even after this horrible embarrassment like <laughs> she turns him down in like the most abrasive way possible even mm -hmm. after this he's nice to her and kind and like doesn't make her feel embarrassed or bad and like that's 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 huge that's kind of a big deal so but in this book we meet gianna way sooner and it's not nearly the same thing it's almost like that's why darcy falls in love with like one of the reasons why darcy falls in love with eliza is because of um is because of like the way eliza or elisa sorry elisa is with gianna that's mm -hmm. where I feel like that romance really started for Darcy, mm -hmm. which I thought was fine and great. And I thought that was a good change, but it doesn't change anything for Alisa towards Darcy. And I was like, mm -hmm. well, so then there's the missing thing there. Um, yeah, because there's all these, like, Alisa becomes close to Darcy's sister, Gianna, and her cousin, Willow. And then also she likes Bobby. And she's like, all these nice people people love Darcy. That's so bizarre. But then there was, like, never moments... We didn't get moments where they would, like, share anything that would help her change her mind. Like, there were never moments where Gianna's like, oh, growing up, Darcy would always do this really sweet thing. And for Elisa to be like, oh, that doesn't sound like the Darcy I know. And to sort of, like, think on that. It was just like... There were, I felt there were a lot of those moments, but she just outright rejected them. She was like, no, no, yeah. no, no, Like, oh, that doesn't sound like the Darcy I know. So fuck that idea. Out the window. <laughs> going to forget it happened. And then when Darcy, just like in Pride and Prejudice, falls over backwards to like correct all of the things that she had said, like that, that Darcy did, like, you're mean about my family. You don't understand us. You have a prejudice against us. Like you um like all of these other things and then darcy not only that but like goes out and finds louisa and brings her back and like corrects this huge crime mm -hmm. that has happened so of course like you're gonna like more like her more but uh, i don't know like it just it that was in like I think that started to really kick off at 80% of the book. And it was like, I need more. Yeah. And honestly, Oof. I didn't feel like I, as a reader, spent, like, even though I got to spend more time with Darcy in this book than I do in actual Pride and Prejudice, I didn't see any reason to fall in love with him, with her myself. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't get a lot of, like, physical attributes. I didn't get a lot of, like, like... Uh, Elisa is hot for Darcy right away, and then that's out. Like, mm -hmm. like we, like there's no like, like why am I still thinking about Darcy moments? Mm -hmm. like, none of that, and mm -hmm. it was just ugh, it's so soap opera addict messy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's this whole thing where Lucia, after she gets rescued from Wick, she comes and like she talks to Elisa and like gives gives detail about what happened. Just like, oh yeah, Darcy was the one who rescued me. And no joke, when I when she said that I did gasp out loud. Nice. Um but then she's like, yeah, like Lucia is saying this to Elisa of Darcy about rescuing her from a sexual predator. 
I think he, I think she did all of this for you, Elisa. I was like, fucking what? <laughs> and Elisa's like, oh, she's just such a romantic that she would think that. And then later Darcy's like, I did it for you. And I'm like, nobody, nobody thinks she should have done it for Lucia to rescue her <laughs> from a sexual predator. No one. It's just cute that the, that the only reason Darcy rescued this girl is because she happened to be sisters with a woman she's in love with. Okay, I guess. Like, oof. Yeah, under normal circumstances, even though she has the means to do it, she would never have done something like that. Um, I mean, that is in Pride and Prejudice. Um, I think she marries the soldier, right? No, she marries Wickham. Oh, uh, I'm thinking of another movie then. Yeah, no. Or she... another another Jane Austen where the younger sister like elopes well, with a soldier or something. Well, Wickham is kind of a soldier. Okay, then I think, and it's um, uh, oh shit, what's her name? Um, in the movie. Well, I, I am to be this. <laughs> Jenna um, Jenna Maloney. Yeah, Jenna Maloney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember she like goes off with the with the soldier, and she's like, "I'm so happy," and then it turns out to be a very poor decision on her part. Yeah, and the book indicates that as well that this was a bad decision. That it. The book even sort of like gets into it could be a little bit abusive. Like there's a little Mm -hmm. bit of a hint of darkness there. I think um, what I mean, basically what's happening in the book is what's happening. Like if you transpose that exact situation to now, that is what would happen Mm. in this book Mm -hmm. that we most ardently like a very young girl. Uh, 13 or 14 mm-hmm. is taken up you know, takes up with the young man they run away together and then um, <laughs> but in that case like it wasn't illegal for them to do that in Jane Austen's time and the best way to repair that situation was make the young man marry the woman so it seems like it was on purpose <laughs> Um, where now it's it's illegal. That's bad. <laughs> you can't do that. It's kidnapping, and it's it's all kinds of terrible things. Um, the way it happens in Pride and Prejudice, if that happens now, it would happen just like it does in Most Ardently. I feel like that was mm-hmm. the best translation this author could have done of this horrific situation, mm-hmm. which was, it is horrific in Pride and Prejudice. It genuinely mm-hmm. is. <laughs> but like, like the, that's the reason Pride and Prejudice is calling out something that's in society, is like Pride and Prejudice is saying, this is bad. <laughs> Yeah, but it was socially acceptable. Right, and the way that the mother yeah. is excited. My daughter is married! And, like, she's the first one to get mm-hmm. married, and she's excited about it. Like, that's awful. Elizabeth Bennett thinks it's awful. A lot of people think it's bad, but there's no way around it. Um, and mm-hmm. in that case, Darcy really did do it for Elizabeth, and in large part because he feels like this is his fault. If he had just been more mm-hmm. honest with the entire world about what happened, but because societal pressures make it so that he doesn't want to, that's mm-hmm. like they're all struggling against those things. Mm-hmm. In this book, the thing that the thing with like Gianna, um that's statutory rape. And in fact, statutory rape doesn't need somebody to <laughs> doesn't need somebody to press charges. That is just something that the government can press charges on. And in fact, they do. Mm-hmm. They just press charges on that. Once they know that has happened, 
the wheels are in motion. It's over. Like once a police mm-hmm. officer finds out that a 13 year old girl is having sex with a 22 year old man, that police officer is supposed to just put in that that crime happened. And in fact, mm-hmm. like if Darcy was like, you know what, we're not going to press charges and I'm rich and famous and you're going to make that happen. Darcy did actually do something morally completely abhorrent. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> There's this weird moment, too, where um, before Lucia meets Wick, Elise is like, OK, sisters, I have to tell you about this Wick guy that I went out with once stay away from him and they're like why and she's like just do it i can't tell you why when really she could have just said like without naming names she could have said like i know that he like committed statutory rape against a 13 year old girl when he was in his early 20s like i know this to be true i cannot share details but i know that this is what happened but instead she's like i can't tell you specifics just stay away from him so then Lucia does the exact same things thing that Elisa did to Darcy. And it's just like, well, she's just a bitch. So I'm going to hang out with him anyway. And I was like, it was, it was weird. It was very bizarre. And literally I like, there was a point up to which like nobody could talk about it because of out of respect for Gianna. And then after a certain point, everyone's like, Oh, I'm just going to tell everyone everything. Right. Well, there's a certain amount of like, it it felt weird to me. Like, honestly, if I really did hate a person and I didn't trust anything Mm -hmm. that they said and they were like, don't trust that bitch. I'd be like, that's the first bitch I'm trusting. (laughs) Like, and I've actually been in that situation. Like I I worked at this office and it was so funny. The person whose job, who, who hired me, who was like my supervisor took me out to lunch day one and was like, this, this office is full of fucking drama don't trust this person, don't trust this person, this person's awful, this person will talk behind your back. And all I thought the whole time was like, it's it's you. You, You're you the are drama. the drama. And I was correct. <laughs> <laughs> so honestly, like if I was Elisa and I hated Darcy the way I distrusted that woman I worked with, totes get it. Would, abs- would absolutely sure, sure, sure. But if it was my sister, like... Ma- mm-hmm. my sister molly comes to me and is like do not trust this guy i dated him i cannot tell you why it is not my story to tell but he did he pulled some bullshit i'd be like on it mm-hmm. <laughs> that guy is yeah. next out on my life <laughs> it was bizarre. the way it made sense in pride and prejudice is that wickham is gone already by then and she's like "Ugh, mm-hmm. well that sucks that he's such a horrific person but I can just put it out of my mind because he's gone. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And like, she doesn't think to tell her sisters because she's like, doesn't need to. <laughs> like, He's mm-hmm. gone. Like, there's nothing that makes it seem like that's a good idea to tell anybody. But mm-hmm. then also at that point, she's keeping a lot of secrets from her sisters because mm-hmm. there's just so many secrets to keep. Like at that point, she's like, unsure how to open up to anybody she's keeping secrets from her closest sister who's her older one and so like what she feels bad about is like if she just told anybody this news would have gotten out and everybody would have known better um and she feels really Mm -hmm. responsible for it and she should in this book i don't think elisa has any responsibility she told them all exactly what was up (laughs) Mm -hmm. they were they were 
her sister Lucy is, a, is an idiot. <laughs> I mean, it's not her fault. She's the victim. She is the victim. I'm not blaming her for being what appears to be kidnapped, raped, and beaten. That is not her fault. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I that's all I had to say. It was fine, this book. <laughs> it was fine. It was fine. That was that, that was book. That book. <laughs> the Code for Love and Heartbreak by Jelaine Cantor. In this contemporary rom-com retelling of Jane Austen's Emma by USA Today best-selling author Jillian Cantor, there's nothing more complex or unpredictable than love. When math genius Emma and her coding club co-president George are tasked with brainstorming a new project, the code for love is born. George disapproves of Emma's ideas of creating a matchmaking app, accusing her of meddling in people's lives. But all the happy new couples at school are proof that the app works. At least... At first, Emma's code is flawless. So why is it that perfectly matched couples start breaking up, the wrong people keep falling for each other, and Emma's own feelings defy any algorithm? That's what the book says. Huh? <laughs> Claire, what is this book actually so, about? I know exactly why you didn't know either of these books took place among high school people. Right? Yeah, like, honestly, the code for love and heartbreak, like, the way they're sitting at these chairs, it looks like it's outside a lovely cafe in New York. These look like two adults who are just don't know each other. And um, this whole... Yeah, and they're, like, doing a startup or something. Right, and so, like, the coding club, like, maybe I would think that they were in a high school thing. But no, honestly, I felt like there was just, like, people who code and they maybe they... I assumed college, if right. nothing else. Um, but no, this is high school. Um, Emma is a senior, and she and an old friend of hers, George, who have known each other for a very, very long time, are co-presidents of the coding club. And every year there's a, you know, statewide competition, even a national competition for, like, who codes the best thing. Um, and so they have to come up with some sort of project. Uh, when it's down, you know, just kind of fucking around one day during school, um, uh, you know, sh Emma sort of like is messing around with, with like a code she's sort of working on and it's who pairs well together and she matches up their teacher with another teacher who's also single at the school. And she's like, these two would be perfect for each other. And they get together and she's like, see, it works. And out of this, she's like, got this idea. The premise of this book is bonkers <laughs> because I have to say, Claire, what you forgot to mention is her older sister, Izzy, has left. She's they're in New Jersey. Yeah. They're in New Jersey. Her oldest sister, Izzy, is now at her freshman year of UCLA. Izzy was um, Emma's only real friend. So she's missing her sister. And. Izzy's really weird about like, oh, Emma, you should date people. Emma, you should fall in love. Emma, you should find someone. This whole book, I'm like, Izzy needs to mind her fucking business. <laughs> but she says in passing to Emma before she leaves, she's like, oh, if only you could code yourself a boyfriend. <laughs> and Emma has a thought. She's like, that's dumb. Relationships are stupid. I'm not even remotely interested in anyone or romance. I don't have time for that. I'm working on my coding. I'm working on getting into the schools I want to get into. She wants to get Stanford. into um, Stanford. She's like, I got to get into Stanford. I am not even remotely interested in romance. And I'm like, okay, good for you. Good for you. 
And then somehow she's like, I'm going to make a dating app. What? That leap in logic was so bananas to me that like, she literally was like, relationships are stupid. I am not even remotely interested. Well, I, in I feel like where, and now I'm going to make a dating I do app. I feel like where the like, logic was, was what? sort of like, if, uh, she's like, it would be better if you could just code a boyfriend because then I could like, and she's like, well, maybe there is a code, like the book, a code for love. She's like, maybe there is a code for love. Like, it's just mathematics. Maybe we just get it down to mathematics. And when they try that with the two teachers, it works. Because, like, they base it on, like, you know, similar interests, the age, like, things like all, like, yeah. Oh, two single people who work at a high school might be hot for each other. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> uh, yeah. But but the, th- the thing that really gets me is that she's not even vaguely interested in romance. Yeah. Like it would be it would be different if like she and Izzy would bond over rom coms together and Izzy was like, Oh my god, that's what love is like and I'm just like, that's not what love is like. Like these are enjoyable. I get it. I like spending time with you. But like these are messy and dumb and like love would be so much better if you could figure it out. But she okay. Emma likes three things. Those three things are Izzy, coding club and paying, playing the piano. Those are the only things uh-huh. she likes. Everything else, she hates. She actively hates everything <laughs> else. So for her to just be like, I'm going to start a dating app. And then also for all the adults in her life to be like, yeah, that's a yeah, good idea. That. It was bananas to me. Absolutely bananas. But then another thing too, so she had this whole thing where she's like, well, I'm going to create this algorithm. And it's going to figure things out for me. And then I did appreciate that sort of part of her arc in the book was she went to different people in her life that she knew was in love or had been in love. And she's like, why, what made you fall in love with this person? And she like learns about the different things that could make someone, not make someone, but like be the point at which someone realizes that they fall in love with someone else. And I thought that was cute. I thought that was a, a fun way to explore this. So she decides to put together this algorithm and she's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to find out what makes people fall in love. And I'm going to put together this algorithm so that it'll just match people with who they're meant to be matched with. And then later they were like, oh, well, what if we have people fill out a survey where they talk about things that they like and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yes, that's a great idea. And then they can do I'm like, so you invented a dating well, app. See, the thing is, which and- six billion of those already exist. You have not created anything, girl. And then but also this is a world where apparently dating apps don't mm-hmm. exist because they never refer to that. They never talk about it. Like, and not that I think high schoolers should know a whole lot about dating apps. I think that's like, it's a terrible thing, but also, but they know that they, they exist. Know that they exist. Surely. They're everywhere. And the adults know that they exist. Nothing. And so yeah. what about this at like, Honestly, coding a dating app sounds exceedingly difficult. And coding a dating app that people that actually works also sounds exceedingly difficult. So I'm not like look and also a match app like that like that truly mm-hmm. matches people up. So it's less of like a I'm just scrolling through different people's profiles and I'm going to like, you know, like say yes or no to some and an algorithm builds off of that. But like it's a pre built algorithm like match.com or something. Still, it already yeah. exists. All these things already exist, and nobody once was like, oh, I've never heard of such a... Like, she literally just invented a dating app, which exists. And it was a, she was like, oh, it'll be for kids at our high school. So a dating app for minors. Great. I don't know why this writer wrote this book, honestly, to be perfectly frank. But then also, 
there was a moment, and then I'm sorry, Claire, I feel like I'm taking up a lot of your time. <laughs> but um, there, her first thing was she was like, oh, people who have similar physical characteristics, like she had read an article that's like, oh, people tend to be attracted to people who have sim- similar physical characteristics to them. And she's like, oh, I'll use that. And never once, never once did we talk about how inherently racist that is. Yes. She's like, oh, these two people are together because they, you know, they both like music and they both have dark hair. And like, nobody, nobody has the thought of like, oh, but... Uh, and I, and I'm sure the author was like, she went out of her way to not mention skin tone, but it's like, so basically what you're saying is like the blonde girl and that black guy are never going to be matched together is what you're saying. And it was never addressed. It was never talked about, like never once did Emma even come to the realization of like, oh, that was a flawed thing that I did. It just like like, happens and then moves on. They do mention that it was a flawed thing because later in the book, they say like... But not because of the racism. not because of racism. And no, just in general, they're like, well, that was something we threw out a while ago. Like they just mention that they threw that out. Like they don't mention Mm. why or what had come up or what was the reasoning they threw that out. They were just like, I guess we're not going to do that anymore. So... So she matches up a whole bunch of people and then they feel just sort of like they have to be matched together. If they're in the coding club, they kind of feel like they have to stay together to prove that their code works because, um, because they want to win this competition. And for Emma, like it's all about winning the competition and getting into Stanford. Like this is her main thing. She's also, sorry. She is so, so self-centered in that, when somebody does something that she doesn't like, she's like, you're out to ruin Coding Club, aren't you? You're out to ruin my app, aren't you? Like, her first instinct is, you're doing this to spite me specifically. Mm-hmm. Constantly. I'm like, girl, what are you doing? Also, she fundamentally does not understand human expressions, like, on their faces. Yeah, it's... Like, there's so many times that somebody would make an expression and be like, she either was really mad at me or thought it was hilarious. And, like, she could not tell well, the kind difference. of the way I thought about that is, like, this is the author presenting someone who is not neurotypical. Like, wanted a not neurotypical, sure. like, person at the center of this book. And, um, and that's fine. And I honestly, you know... I don't I'm not going to talk about whether that representation was appropriate or not. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I didn't like about that is because what I like about Emma as a main character in Jane Austen stuff and I apologize for keeping going back to Jane Austen well, but I mean the authors invite the comparison. Right. Right. And that's a big that's a big thing, especially when everybody's named the exact same things. Um and mm-hmm. I mean we could even just go to uh we could go to like clueless because that's also like if we just wanted to just hit clueless instead emma is built to be an unlikable character because her growth has to be exponential throughout this but like she's got to have this the things that most romantic characters don't want she doesn't want love and it's not important to her she wants to hook up other people with each other and she's a selfish person like it's hard to read a selfish main character but when i was reading this and felt like oh i'm reading someone who's not neurotypical like then i was like that's not selfishness selfishness is something you are Mm -hmm. not actively choosing but you are actively you were sort of like 
you don't like you know it's it's part of something that you can cure it's part of something you can fix in yourself you can learn from it mm -hmm. and i do feel like emma learned something but there's parts of herself that are intrinsic not being able to tell for your entire life people's facial expressions is not something you're going to be able to fix right but the, like i thought it was just so weird that emma's just like well that's just how it is and like like that that's not something that over the course of her life had come up that she'd like seen a medical professional about or like was something that she was aware of in herself like it's it, it just like I agree that like reading this is like oh is this someone who's who's meant to be not neurotypical or neurodivergent and like but then just like draw attention to that call that out like give that a name give that a voice like something so that it's like very specific like i'm consciously making this choice and like by using you know like the correct vocabulary i'm showing that i have done my research and that this representation is accurate to the, the best of my ability and it's an, a representation that i'm creating with empathy as opposed to just like like parts of it was just like oh i just never know the right thing to say because i'm like the quirky girl in a romance right like i mean and this is it like i i would have liked it better if she was just like yeah i you know like i've seen doctors even if it's just like i've been to doctors and they don't really know exactly what to what to call it or how to label it but like i just these are these are barriers that i have and like I just got to work mean, with at it. The same time, but then this also... is why I don't like reading YA because because mm -hmm. the problem is I do feel like this is a YA character that's actually really well written for YA. You don't always mm -hmm. get the attention you need. Like you don't always get the diagnosis. You don't always know. Like you don't know you need to go to a doctor. This is the world. Mm -hmm. You do think that everybody operates in a certain way and that this is the way you operate. Mm -hmm. You you think your struggles you don't know that there may be a code book for your struggles like you don't know that and your own parents mm -hmm. may not understand that like your own the people who are supposed to be helping you may also not understand that and you sure. also, also don't understand other people's emotions as a teenager you literally don't like <laughs> sure but I, but i also as like... christine says you're just all mush up there <laughs> you're just mush up there but it, it felt it felt like a barrier to a, to to a romance that she never wanted and was not handled yeah. well. No, no, it, I completely it, again, agree with that. I completely agree it, that it was mishandled. It'd be very different if she were like, I want the kind of love that they see that that I see in the rom coms, but I don't understand social cues all the time. I'm not like those women in those rom coms, so I have to be strategic about how I approach love. Yes. Like that would have been that I'd love to read that book, but this was just like love is fucking stupid until she had this weird like will they won't they with uh, Sam that came out of nowhere and felt entirely unmotivated, and then at the very end she's just like oh no this whole time I'm in love with George and it's just like so so again the moral of the book is no no silly girl you think you don't want love but really that's the only thing you need right now. Like, it pissed me off so much. Yeah, so in Emma, I, I don't know if you've read or seen any adaptation. I have seen 
the Gwyneth Paltrow movie. Which I think isn't a bad adaptation. I think it's cute. Okay. I've heard the new... I know you uh, you said the new I one is very it. good. It's, I have not so seen adorable. it yet. It's, it's beautiful. It's fucking beautiful. And honestly, Clueless is a pretty good adaptation. It really is. Um, but one of the important things about Emma that makes it so much different from all of the other Austin books is Emma doesn't need to get married. Like... She is independently wealthy. That money mm-hmm. that is coming from her father is going to come to her. She can pick who she wants when she wants to. She doesn't have a lot of money. It's not like a huge... She's not the wealthiest person that ever existed, but she's doing really... She's doing fine. And and mm-hmm. because her mother died the way her mother died, her father has insulated them completely. So, like, they are... Mm-hmm very solitary and he is very concerned about health he's very concerned about like making sure that nobody else dies around him he's a mr and they're only friends with the nightlies so like she sees the nightlies all the time so of course her sister fell in love with the older brother because like that's who they see Mm -hmm. all the time but (laughs) but she also kind of feels like in herself that she set them up a little bit like she made that happen Mm -hmm. And so then to test that out, she set up her governess with somebody and it worked. And she's like, that's Mm -hmm. it. That's my thing. And the reason why she picks that as her thing, she's not herself interested in romance. She's not. She says that at the top. I don't care to get married and I don't ever need to. I'm perfectly happy staying at home, taking care of my father for the rest of our lives. Um, I'm great. Is the thing is, she is shit at everything else. She is terrible at singing. She is awful at playing the piano. She is really bad at, like, drawing. Like, she doesn't enjoy reading. She's bad at correspondence. And she doesn't need to be good at any of those because she doesn't need to attract a dude. And she knows how to take care of the house already. Like, she's already a landowner who knows how to do that much. So, like... Mm-hmm. And she can afford people who takes care of most of that for her. So she honestly doesn't need to be better at things. So when she finds out she's good at hooking people up, she's like, this is it. This is my life. <laughs> I will do this. And so she meets this poor girl who's like lonesome and doesn't have friends. And she's like, bitch, I'm hooking you up with a rich dude. That is my new thing. You're nice. I'm going to get you with a rich guy. <laughs> And so then and and the girl is like, but I like this other guy. And she's like, no, no, no. That's a poor farmer. You're better than that. (laughs) I'm Emma. (laughs) And then and then in the course of trying to fix her up, she meets this other dude and like he's hot. And she's like, oh, maybe there's a man for Emma after all. (laughs) And and so like she's like, okay. And then she like spends a little time with him and she's like, meh. I mean, I don't feel a lot for him. It's, but then when he hooks up with this other girl, she's like, "I guess I feel sad." <laughs> and then she's like, "You know what? I think that wasn't actually love." Now I know. <laughs> and and but she's wrapped up in herself and really pretty selfish, and she is she can be hard to read for a lot of those reasons mm-hmm. because she's not after love. So that's kind of one thing that I enjoyed about this character, the premise, anyway. The premise is, here's a girl who's very focused on getting two people together and getting and, and matchmaking all over, but she herself doesn't care about her own love. And I also really liked that as, an, as a, 
experiment, they're going to try to create a dating app. And but she wants full control over it. It's not an app where the people who are participating in it have control. She has the control. And I really liked that, too. And I thought there was really something that could go that, you know, that could go. And in the end, I kind of liked the idea that it's like, well, it, in preparation for dances, like a couple of people were like, I'm nervous about talking to other people. This kind of helps take some of those nerves out. And I was like, okay, that's a good enough reason for me to suspend disbelief that teenagers should have a dating app, which they should not. Because no. they should not. And I will tell you exactly why in a little bit. But <laughs> um, so, but outside of that, like, I, I mean, if she was intended to be neurodivergent, there's so much of that that she can't control. She can't fix. She mm -hmm. can't get over. She can't learn. And that felt really unfair. And if she's not neurodivergent and if she's just a teenager who's figuring her shit out in a bad way, <laughs> then, then all of her selfishness really is to an extreme that is... Mm -hmm. I mean, just like impossible to to get over and to like, like there was so much about her that was like a barrier to entry for enjoying her as a character mm -hmm. that it, it made that a little, a little difficult for me. The other thing is that for me, and I'm sorry to keep going back to the Jane Austen wealth, it's unfair, I feel like. One of the most important things in all of Jane Austen's books are female relationships, like relationships with your sisters, relationships with other women, relationships with friends like that is exceedingly important. And if you don't have those, like your life is harder and bad, <laughs> like in Jane Austen's books where they don't have those, like the character struggles that much more when there isn't somebody who's like, I believe in you and I love you no matter what. Like, and one of the great parts about Emma is there's the girl <laughs> that she tries to fix. And through trying to fix her, they become friends. <laughs> and like, and that's where Emma realized. And like, of course, she tries to fix her up with all these people. And then eventually this girl falls in love with George or Knightley or whoever it is and that's Emma's like love interest and Emma realizes oh I'm in love with George but this other person that I care for and now know and understand I care for deeply also loves him oh I'm a selfish person <laughs> oh fuck mm. oh I have like, oh, I have to give up something now. Like me, the person who's never had to give up anything at all my whole life. Like everything was always whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted it. Now have to give up something. And it is actually one of the most important things in your life. And I'm going to have to do it. And it shows her like so much about herself and so much about other people. And like just admitting like and it's one of the hardest scenes in that she has to she tells George she's like so she's in love with, Harriet's in love with you and that's cool I'm gonna back off and he's like no I'm in love with you <laughs> and she's like really because I'm in love with you and then she has to go tell Harriet 
And it is heartbreaking because she has to tell this girl that she's become best friends with this horrible thing. But if she doesn't do it, that's just as selfish. So like, it is a huge character change moment. And that is not in this book. Like her best friendship mm -hmm. is with her sister, which is fine. But like, and she does have sort of, but her selfishness is underlined as a good thing in the book because the big moment, the big moment of change is like her sister's like, I'm going to take you out for a fancy dinner in New York. And her sis and Emma's like, I'm putting my foot down. That's not something I like. I don't want to do that. We're not doing it. And in most cases, I would say, yes, do you put up your boundaries, be honest with other people. And in this one case, I'm like, what your sister hasn't spent any time with you over this. All you do is lament about how your sister doesn't spend time with you. And now she's going to treat you to a fancy dinner. And now is when you're putting your foot down. And it obviously hurts her sister's feelings really badly. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I was, I was like, this doesn't work as a moment for me. Yeah. I mean, like the, I, I enjoyed the, like her learning to sort of stand up for herself moment. But I mean, like with this extra context from Emma of like, oh, but then she, she doesn't have the moment. Like she's, since we cannot say canonically that she is neuro neurodivergent, this Emma is self-centered and selfish but then her lesson is that she needs to stand up for herself yeah. and it's like what and like did i appreciate that yes because izzy was getting on my fucking nerves and and but but then also but then also uh so like izzy in a lot of ways represents this sort of like traditional like what we think of love like rom-com love romance novel love etc etc and the whole time emma's pushing back against that because she doesn't want that she doesn't want romance and then all of a sudden she does and it was so disappointing and honest honestly i know this doesn't make it a good romance novel but at the very end of the book i wanted emma to realize oh i'm romantic i'm a romantic i'm just not interested in love like I have friendships. I have familial love. Those are I, like, I have love in my life. I just don't want romantic love. And Izzy, you need to stop pushing that on me because that's not what I want. And when I say I don't want it narratively, I mean it as opposed to, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. Oh, oopsie. I don't know. Oh, God, yeah, no. Um, and to go back just a little bit to female relationships, she does have one very important one with Jane, who is a friend she makes over this coding thing. And then right but then also she initially hates jane because of the coding mm -hmm. thing and then jane decides that she likes sam even though the algorithm so then it's jane jane doing it personally to spite emma and to make it so she can't get into sam yeah i was i was so tired yeah. of it. i was so, so tired this this book took me so long to read and it is only 200 um this book would have taken me so long to read except um i did listen to this one on audio and I listened to it mm. at like a speed and a half. So like it was also super yeah. fast. So I got through this That was that was I got through this book fast, but only because of that. I think if I had to right read choice. it, it would have been different. <laughs> so I think we're about done with this book. But funny story. Mm -hmm. Uh when I was in high school, 
senior year, Valentine's, the school, the school, the school decided we should do a quiz to see who we matched up with best in the school. And so we all took this survey and then turned it in. And then, and then we were sent a printout, which had little cupids on it. Of, oh, did it have the the punctures on yes. the side of like the oh, the, the side? Paper I have it. There's a, there's yeah. these boxes behind me of high school memorabilia. It's in there. Um, I want to see it I'm, so I'm bad. Gonna, I'll try to dig it up. But like, uh, yeah. did it match you with a gay guy in the closet? I don't think so. I but oh, okay. maybe. But there's like. I, I don't think so, but I can't remember ever. Like, I ha- I was thinking about, like, one of the things I have to do is go back and look in the yearbook and see if I remember who's who. Um, but, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, like, 20 na- men's young men's names on that page. And we all got that. We all were matched up with people in high school. And, and I don't think it was just the seniors, but it might have been. And it was... I, st- I mean, I still have it. And, like... I cannot tell you how awkward, like this felt like it was a fun thing when we did the survey. It honestly did. Mm -hmm. It felt like it was a fun thing. It felt like it was a fun thing when I got the printout handed to me. And then I realized, oh no, these people now all have my name on lists as well. And I don't know all of them. And uh, some of them I don't like, um, and I'm positive. I am positive. I'll, they don't like me because I was one of those weird kids that didn't eat with everybody else. So it's like, uh, oh no, this was bad. Mm. This, this was mm. a bad idea. <laughs> oh, and nobody who's ever gone through that <clears throat> would ever write a write a book where that was like a good thing that was happening <laughs> right oh um i do have a couple more things to say about the book i'm so no, so no, sorry no, go ahead i know you're trying to keep us no, on no, track keep, keep talking um, i'm gonna put myself on mute and i'm gonna see if i can find that thing great <laughs> so one one thing is i feel like i would have enjoyed this book a whole lot more despite all of its flaws if it were even a little bit better written. Um, I'd like to read you a sentence from this book. All the context that you need to know yes, is... Read books, uh, read things, read things. I'm so excited to see what you're reading. Emma, at one point, Izzy had talked her into going into, going to a dance with a friend of Izzy's, and then he kissed her, and Emma was like, that was dumb, and I didn't like it. So that's why I'm not interested in boys. But now she's going into the dance again with Coding Club just to see if people are, like, with their matches and how that's going. So this is one sentence. I remember that night again, and it makes me feel a little nauseous, even though two years have passed. Richard graduated last year, and tonight I'm walking in at arm's length distance in between Jane and George. What did that just say to me? I... What? What? Nothing. It said nothing. That was, it was like not that a good sentence. All the time. I was like, "Where are we? What's going on?" Also, there was there was a lot of bathtubbing 
specifically around people's schedules and who was giving who a ride, which listen, when you're in high school, these things are the most important things. When you have friends with their licenses and you don't have your license yet, or when you have your license and have friends that don't have their licenses yet, who's giving whom a ride is the most important thing in the world. I get it. But I'm going to read you a sentence. This is to introduce uh, a new section after a set of asterisks. George is staying after the meeting to take down dance decorations and plans to take the late bus home. He'd signed up to volunteer to work toward his NHS service hours. I'd rather stab my eyes out than touch dance decorations. I always get my quarterly hours volunteering to play piano at the Villages, a local retirement home. All of that was to say why Emma wasn't giving George a ride home that day. When really, she could have just said, I wasn't giving George a ride home today, so I was walking to the car by myself. Yeah. But no, we had to get... Also, when she's like, I always get my quarterly hours volunteering to play piano at the Villages. We know that already. We've already had two scenes at the Villages where she's playing piano. We know that already. (sighs) One last thing to say. So there's a point where they're talking about when the coding club club is talking about setting it up and like the survey and they're like, Oh, and then we'll let people say like, you know, like identify their gender and then which genders they're interested in. And I was talking about this to my roommate. I was like, if there are actually queer, queer kids in this book, I will buy Jillian Cantor a house. And Hey, guess what? I owe Jillian Cantor a house. I know. There were, there were four queer kids in this book. Of course they ended up together. But they, but they felt like fleshed out characters. It, they, they were like tertiary characters, but they felt as fleshed out as other tertiary characters. Um, I, part so, of me you know was what? like, oh, no, no, no. Those two girls on the volleyball team who are lesbians, they knew. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they, yeah. They've definitely already yeah, made out at some like, point. No, 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 no. An app doesn't no, have no, to no, tell no, them. No. And they definitely be like, either like one disappointed, like, oh, there's the other lesbian. And it had to be her <laughs> or well, it'd be it seemed like, like they great, both knew <laughs> it seemed like they both knew but the the barrier was that neither was willing to admit to the other they that they were into them yeah so this was a chance for them to like be like oh yeah actually i i am into you anyway that's all i have to say ah, awesome Great, 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 great. Did you find the thing? No, I didn't. I looked. Um, I, like, I thought it would come right up through, like, a quick search, but I think it's buried a little deeper than I can. Okay. Well, if you do find it, let me know. I, I want to see it. I throw it away. I... And, then, and then we need to look at your oh, yearbook so I can see. I know. Oh, my God. Young boys. Oh, Ooh. my God. Oh, my God. And no, okay. and I have to, like, I want to put this up on the Patreon to, like, prove that it's a thing that exists, but I'm going to have to, like, find a way to, like, cover up those guys names because oh that would be rude but yeah we can cover up their last names yeah 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 okay great um that was that, that was book, that book. Are, you ready? Ready? are you ready are you ready are you ready let's play fuck mary fuck mary fuck mary fuck mary kill fuck mary kill fuck mary kill are you ready Okay. Claire. Neil. Are you ready to play some fuck Mary Kale? Barely, but let's do it. 
Okay. <laughs> Would you like to go first or should you I go first? You gotta go first. Okay. Considering um, 90 or 85% of the characters in these books are uh, under the age of 18, I'm stepping far away from that. So, Claire, fuck, Mary kill, dating apps, mm-hmm. being set up with someone by a friend, mm. or cruising the bars. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm going to marry being set up by someone with by a friend because, okay. one, I feel like it's a little hit or miss sometimes, I'm sure, but it also tells you mm-hmm. so much about your friend. <laughs> <laughs> and how they see you. Yes! Oh. Um, and if are they one the type of person who's really thought about it and really has taken this into consideration, or two are they the type of person who's like, oh, I know two single people. <laughs> I know two gay guys. <laughs> I might be in that second category, which is why I've not set anybody up. <laughs> um, also, I'm bad with people and names in general. So, like, someone's like, hey, do you know anybody? And I'm like, no. And then two days no. later, a person they'd be perfect for goes, do you know anybody? And I'm like, no. No, sorry, no. And then they date each other. And I'm like, oh, you know what? You two are perfect for each other. (laughs) And they're like, Claire, we're at our wedding. We know this. Yay! I think you two should be together forever. (laughs) So you're the, you're the, like, um, (laughs) so they have this, this saying in French, l'esprit d'escalier, which is like, as soon as you head up the stairs, you think of the thing that you should have said. Uh Uh-huh in the argument you're like the emma of that yes. mm-hmm. of like oh it's after the fact oh i totally should have set you guys up yes 100 percent. okay love it love um it. <clears throat> so but i mean i still think like i would trust that also because i feel like when people are setting people up there's a little bit more of an indication like this is meant to be like a dating scenario mm-hmm and there's a bit of vetting right whereas like if it's like a dating app or just going to the bars like it could go either way these people either definitely mm-hmm. are into forever or they are definitely into just for tonight and mm-hmm. who knows what's gonna happen yeah 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 um but so i think i'm gonna fuck meeting somebody at a bar mm-hmm. and i'm only saying that because as somebody who's been with somebody since before a lot of dating apps really existed. I, I don't, um, it, that feels like an, another way I would actually meet somebody. Um, mm-hmm. And I've mm-hmm. known several people who have actually gotten married from bar hookups. Um, um, and I feel like, you know, like you meet somebody across a bar in this day and age, like there are so many like wonderful um walls you can put up between yourself and another person including like the apps like i do and i've hung out with people who are like who's in this bar that's available and they look at the apps and they're like who's Mm -hmm. here and then there's no like just approaching somebody cold because you see them in the app and you can try to Mm -hmm. like hit them up there and then if they hit you up there you know you have an opening to maybe go talk to them which Mm -hmm. is great that's all good but I, I think there's something that's kind of brave about actually approaching somebody in a bar and like an instant connection where you're like, yeah, I'm going to keep talking to this stranger and how suddenly they become mm-hmm. not strangers. And like, there's something I think really, I don't know, kinetic about that, that I think is really interesting. I think there's a lot more vetting you can do on an app 
mm-hmm. and a lot more you can find out there. But I don't know. I think I'm going to fuck meeting somebody in a bar. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to kill meeting on the apps just because I've already made my decision on the other two. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the game. <laughs> that's And that's the game. Um, I'm going to marry Cruising at the Bars because um, there's gin or whiskey involved, mm-hmm. so I'm sat. Um, but then also I feel like Okay, as someone who's not had a lot of luck at bars, and by that I mean like one half of one unit of luck at a bar. No, nope. uh, I'll say a unit and a half of luck at a bar. <clears throat> In that I have been picked up at a bar twice, and both times we had one date, and then they were like, I don't exist anymore. Um, so that was fun. But I would do that because I would only fuck getting set up by a friend. Because going into that first date with someone that you're getting set up with by a friend, there's so much pressure. But, like, there's there, there's pressure, there's expectations. Also, if you don't know that person at all, like, you have no idea what you're walking into. Whereas at least at a bar, even if you, like, strike up a conversation with someone, you can tell pretty soon in whether or not you're interested in, like, pursuing more, whatever that more might be. But, but like, also, also, cruising in a bar, if you go up and talk to someone and you want to bounce, that's so easy. You can bounce real easy. If you are having dinner with someone that a friend set you up with, you are stuck there. Regardless of how that evening is going, you are stuck <laughs> at that dinner because you owe it to that person and that friend to at least get through dinner. Yeah. And then if it doesn't go well, there's the whole, you have to have a conversation about it with the friend. Like, oh my God, how was it? And like, either you're like, no, that wasn't great. Or, oh my God, yeah, they were great. I'd love to see them again. And then you never hear from that person again. Then you know what happened. Anyway, so there's too much for me to deal with. So I'm just going to fuck that. And then I'm going to kill apps. Because listeners, y'all know what I've been through. The trials and tribulations, the things that I have suffered. I feel like I should be canonized because of everything that I've had to go through on this app. <clears throat> like, Neil, the patron saint of having no fucks left to give. Like, honestly. Ugh. Lord, Lord. Well, let's treat ourselves with the next fuck, Mary Kill. Yes, please. Um, now, everybody I'm going to mention is moneyed. Like, as much money as you want. We're just going to talk right. about kinds of money. So, right. fuck, Mary right. kill new money. Mm-hmm. Fuck, Mary kill trust fund money. So, now, this is money that mm. currently belongs to a person, and they can have as much as they want, and it's just from the next generation up, but may not be too many more generations. So, the new money mm-hmm. is like, I just got this brand new. Like, this is mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Trust fund mm-hmm. money is like, this is from my dad or my grandpa. So it's new-ish, but, like, it's also trust fundy. And then the last one is old money. So this is from so much money, it's it disappears into the ages. So three types yeah. of money. Um, I think I'm going to marry new money. Um... 
even though it's really fun to say nouveau riche in a really uh, derogatory tone, they're like, oh, oh, they're new money. They're just so tacky. They're just so nouveau riche. Oh, how gosh. Mm. It's fun to put on those airs, but uh, I believe the um, uh, stereotype about trust fund kids holds true and that they have no understanding of how anything actually works. I don't, I can't, I can't do that emotional labor for them. Um, and then old money is so fucked up. Like the, there was a line where uh, in most ardently where Colin's mom is like, we need to, you need to marry into a certain class, et cetera, et cetera. And Colin's like, marrying into a certain class or why my grandparents are cousins. <laughs> <clears throat> and like, there's, there's this weird, weird thing about like old money doing absolutely anything to hold on to that money and that prestige and i don't oof. also the chances of me being able to marry into a, an old money family and like see the benefit of that money is very slim i doubt a lot of old money families are i mean <clears throat> unless i marry anderson cooper i guess but i doubt very many old money families are like yes son go be queer um so i'm going to marry new money I'm going to fuck old money because I want to hear about the drama. I want to hear about how crazy it is. And I want to be in that four poster bed in that old room with like one window where there's glass that still has lead in it. Mm. <clears throat> I want to be taken on a tour of the house. <clears throat> I'm fine being some, some member of the landed gentry's dirty little secret liaison that one time. Cause I'm there for the drama and he's probably freaky and bad. I'm like, sure. I'm up for it. And then I'm going to kill trust fund money because because it's like they don't understand what it means to not have money like Nouveau Riche does, but they don't understand the responsibility of having money like old money does. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, oh, yeah, you're going to post on on Instagram like that you wipe your ass with hundred dollar bills. That's all kinds of classy. <laughs> no, I'm killing that. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. Or like. Oh, these peasants, and they're like feeding their dog, you know, champ like Dom Perignon or whatever. I'm just like, I don't, I don't, have, I don't have time. No, for that. I'm gonna old money. Throw you old money gives their dog tap water. <laughs> <clears throat> right. I'm gonna take the trust fund kid to the old money house and push them off the widow's walk. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. No. What about you, Claire? I'm gonna marry old money because I'm on a castle. <laughs> but i don't just want a castle i want one of those tiny french castles that are like only like actually three bedrooms and on a sea cliff and somehow still have plumbing like only old money can get you that <laughs> <laughs> like new money very much wants a castle castle that's like a billion rooms and impossible to heat no my friend <laughs> <laughs> um so no i'm marrying old money give you know also the horrors that have happened to ensure old money happened i am uh exceedingly sorry that is terrible i cannot wait wait to be a woman who's just like shoveling that money out the door to like groups that need it here trevor project have a shit ton of this old money <laughs> oh you're a group working towards reparations towards buying back your native land take it 
<laughs> I'm also still in a chateau because this money multiplies itself for no reason. <laughs> this used to be considered a sin, but then capitalism happened. Sorry. Sorry. But anyway, I'm marrying old money. Um, okay. I'm going to kill trust fund money as well for the same reason. Mm-hmm. I've also been on those mm-hmm. Instagrams. I've also seen that bullshit happen. Um, but I'm going to fuck new money because new money also seems like it's fun. It knows how to have a good mm-hmm. time because it doesn't know it might mm-hmm. run out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, Neil. Yes. Okay. So of all the characters, um, I'm going to fuck Charlene. Okay. Which was Elisa's friend. She was sassy. She was fun. She was supportive. Um... And then also when Elisa tried to be like, ew, Colin's gross, what are you doing? Charlene's like, he makes me happy, so, like, get over yourself. And Elisa's like, you're right, you're right, yes, 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 yes. And then they were super cute, they were super cute. Anyway, she's fun and I'm gonna fuck her. Um, I'm going to marry... Uh, I went into this thinking Bobby, but it might be Darcy... I think I'll marry I'll marry Darcy. She can keep a conversation better than Bobby. Oh my god. Oh my god, there's a there's a line where after Bobby ghosts Julietta that Elisa calls Darcy. And it's like the first time like they had not exchanged phone numbers. Elisa got her phone number from the cousin Willow. And as soon as Darcy picked up, Elisa's like, What the hell is wrong with Bobby? And Darcy's like, Do you mean his attitude or his appearance or Oh wait, is this Elisa? Yeah. <laughs> Like yes, like Darcy love was it, just like, oh, I'll tell whoever's on the phone what I feel. Well, about stranger, thing. I will tell you everything that's wrong with Bobby. Um, <laughs> does Darcy have some growing to do as a person? Yes, um, but she is witty and she is old money that doesn't seem super crazy. So I'm going to marry her. So that's fucking Charlene marrying Darcy, and I'm going to kill Wick. And I kind of want to kill Emma. It was so hard to read. Anyway, <laughs> what about you, Claire? Um, well, I'm going to fuck Bobby because Bobby just seems mm. so nice and was so caring and so like, yeah, whatever. Like, uh, he, oh. he either is a very attentive lover or just like freezes because he's like, I want to do what you want to do, but I don't know what you want to do. So I'm just going to here and wait <laughs> one of those two yeah but i don't think i could like be with him long term um yeah because again he can't really carry a conversation so i am also going to marry darcy i think whatever's in my mind of what darcy could be for this character mm-hmm. i think she's probably real sexy this is what i imagine her sitting mm-hmm. in that class the first day she's got great high-heeled boots on they're not too high they're the perfect high but she's still very mm-hmm. tall she's got long thin legs that she keeps in like they're those leather pants that don't look like leather but like are leather and still super sexy mm-hmm. and soft they're like kid glove you know mm-hmm. and she looks really good in it and then she's got one of those like loose fitting like blousy tops that still kind of shows mm-hmm. off how strong her arms are because of course she goes to the best gym that ever existed um and then her hair is like perfect like in whatever configuration she's put it in that day it's perfect and yeah 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 yeah. he just always has this 
fuck you, what do you want look on her face, which mm-hmm. I fall for every time. Yeah, I and it. I imagine, too, it's like everything she's wearing is black and white, but then there's like, I don't know, she's wearing a ring or a watch or something that's like a flash of like cobalt or some yeah. really bright color that you're just like, Ugh. Also, I do have to say, because in the book she's 19, I'm marrying Darcy when she's like, my age same same i also have to say the book the author did not track years and times and ages so no um something is wrong something is wrong with that like it just went awry like at some point i was like that's incorrect whatever like and i tried to do the math in my head but i couldn't because it was wrong (laughs) i'm gonna kill wick because yeah he deserves to die and he deserves to die and that's fine with me i'm also going to leave everybody alone from the code for love and heartbreak there i would cuddle george honestly he seems super smart Mm -hmm. um he was usually correct very nice well put together young man who seems like he's going places i would totes cuddle with him um i bet him his dad is hot yeah he's he's kind of an absentee father though so yeah so anyway Anyway, well, that's and what about the and books? The books? Um, I'm gonna, uh, I'm killing the code for love and heartbreak, and I might also kill most ardently. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna kill both of them. They just, uh, maybe i'm a snob they just didn't live up to expectations i really wanted them to be their own books like they were so like the way clueless is its own story and yet still pulls so many beats from from Mm -hmm. emma Mm -hmm. but it feels like it's its own like that you can be surprised that it's Mm -hmm. you know the way 10 things i hate about you is um is yeah taming of the shrew like you could be, mm-hmm. or or the Lion King is Hamlet. Like you could be mm-hmm. surprised that those things are, you know, you know where they're adapted from, but still feel mm-hmm. like they are their own things. These two felt like they were so tied to the original yeah. without like taking, you know, and and which I I think was the biggest detriment, like how tied they wanted to stay to yeah. what they were <laughs> adapting, and I thought like. If they had let themselves go, like, I thought there's so much more fun they could do. Like, if, you know, if Most Ardently had just done its own world building. Yeah. It it would have been better. At least with Most Ardently, it was um, queer and racially diverse. And then certain things were thought through, like the whole situation with Wick of like, oh, this is how... Pride and Prejudice called this out, and this is how we should be right. calling it out now. And I, th- I think that most ardently was more mindful of um, how it adapted itself. But I agree that I, I wish it had been um, more of its own thing. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think they both could have had more fun. I think there was most ardently at least tried to be funny. Um, yeah, parts of it were pretty funny. Yeah, there were some good one-liners in there. I thought so too, but I would have liked, I don't know, more of that. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. Code for Love and Heartbreak, I also felt like 
the joy of the relationship between her between emma and george was just not there like mm-hmm. i felt their closeness i felt their friendship i just didn't feel any of the joy I, yeah i felt their friendship and i wanted her to be a romantic at the end but what do i know you know i i did too i did too and i think they're because even in a romance we've read a romance where there's still room for choosing a person mm-hmm. it's like you're my person and this is the way i need you to be my person and like mm-hmm. in a way that's not selfish and that is defined and i thought that that would work well for these two but decided not to go there also also neither of these couples are going to last forever because they're all like 18 the babies the babies yeah there's a point where it's like oh my god like um emma talked about how like how great a relationship izzy and john had and how they went up to ucla together and i made a note it's like yeah they're gonna be broken up in six months i mean i'm all for a romance where you start as high school sweethearts and then you do live your whole lives together but you gotta like the foundation of that has to be really strong for me to believe that that's mm-hmm. gonna continue. And I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I could see it continuing between Emma and George is because Emma refuses to talk to anybody else. <laughs> she looks at George. She's like, "You're stuck with me. Yeah, can't get rid of me because I don't talk to people." Yeah, nobody else is Goodness. my friends except the people we were encoding with. So, for the and, and they're all gone. They didn't come to school with yep. us. That was another thing, too. She didn't go to Stanford. She went somewhere else to be with George. Yeah. I mean... It was another thing. It was Carnegie. George George chose to go to the school that she was going to. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she didn't go somewhere to be with George. Like, she chose to go... She And she did apply to Stanford. She didn't get in. Hmm. Which I thought it was like, okay. that would have been an emotional turmoil moment, but I guess we're going to not cover that. We're just going to skip right over that. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway. Um, is it time for our favorite game? It's time for our favorite game. Christine! Yes! Yes! It's funny, too, because whenever we do this, like, you put the thing over what we're saying and it all sounds like such a jumble i hope our listeners find it charming (laughs) (laughs) whatever okay claire 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 your name is claire what are we reading next time oh my god i'm so excited about these titles (laughs) oh my god okay 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 Um... okay Oh, good lord. Oh, boy. Oh, no. (laughs) Hardwood, a steamy romantic comedy by Tara Crescent and One Brick at a Time by J.P. Bowie. (laughs) So, Hardwood, a steamy romantic comedy and One Brick at a Time. Construction workers? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Yay. My my second guess would have been contractors. I mean, there was a bunch of different like, things, I think. They're already in your house. I, I would have accepted, like, like oh, let me... carpenters or DIYers. I was thinking carpenters. Cases, but... Yeah, first. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely going with construction workers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great, great, great. Right. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, like, we needed... 
we needed a palate cleanser, I feel like. Yeah. Um, and we needed to get yeah, back to just, basics. <laughs> yeah, just so you know, I was thinking the other day, I was like, we haven't done a weird theme in a while, so I'm thinking something weird Ooh. next time, just so you know. Uh, well, I haven't decided what yet, but it's going to be weird. Um, I do have also a proposal for not for my next books afterwards. So this skips the Christine guest section. Oh, no. <laughs> but my proposal for the next time it's my turn is that we read um we read a jane austen book um oh. and we read um maurice mm. which is an ex i have read i have already read maurice so so have i but i do feel like okay it's one an excellent book. <laughs> it is an excellent book. Uh, by Ian Forrester. It's a classic romance. And there's so few LGBTQ books from before 19... from That take place before 1900. <laughs> mm -hmm. that, um, that have LGBTQ people who are... They don't die at the end. <laughs> right? It's not coded. Mm -hmm. Like... Like, and it's, you know, this is an Ian Forrester novel where it's not coded. Um, mm -hmm. And it doesn't take place in our modern times. Um, but so I feel like it's also, and it is also a social commentary book. So I thought it would be a good fit against a Jane Austen <laughs> book. And we have right. enough time to read both of them if it's like, you know, if we start and sort of move past. So mm -hmm. that is my proposal so that we kind of like we hit an actual Jane Austen and I am actually going to choose um, one of the least favorite Jane Austen books among people, but one of my favorites, which is Persuasion. Mm. So Maurice and Persuasion, uh, but that's not coming up next. Obviously what's coming up next for us is going to be hardwood and one brick at a time. <laughs> <laughs> would you would you rather do Jane Austen and Maurice now? No, 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 because I think we both need a little bit of time to read these because they're okay. they're longer, they're more in depth. Okay. You you know, <laughs> it's it's it's. I wanted to give us time, so okay, 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 okay. So like we've got like cycles to read it. So there's a decent chance I might pick a Chuck Tingle novella for our next one because they're shorter. Yeah. So just FYI, okay, okay, okay. I also picked two short ones. Um, one brick at a time is only 79 pages. <laughs> nice. And har Great. hardwood is 165. Great. I love it to make up for. I ardent, Most Ardently is also a very long book. It's like 360. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> Great. Um, well, thank you, Claire. No, thank you, Neil. Thank you, Christine. Thank you. thank you so much, listeners. Thank you so much, listeners. We know and appreciate your ears, your hearts, your eyes, and the thumbs that you're going to use to click five stars and subscribe and send little cute emails to your friends to also tell them to listen to us. <laughs> and thank you, authors. Thank you so much, authors. As usual, like, 
keep writing keep doing stuff keep proving you know if you feel like we're wrong about this probably are keep proving us wrong by keep it getting published yeah um extra special thanks to jane austen (laughs) extra special thanks to jane austen (laughs) without whom we would not have read these books so thank you jane austen and I guess all that's left to say is uh, if you can do so safely. And um, in, you know, in, in whichever way you choose, either with old money, new money, an app, not an app. If the algorithm tells you to. And but it's it consensual. is still consensual. And with, within the age of, you know, the law. Mm-hmm. 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 All those good things. These books were hard, kids. Okay. (laughs) All you gotta do is... Keep...